0: This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio. Episode 1985. I'm your host, Jeff Altman, The Big Game Hunter. And welcome! I'm spending time daily trying to help folks. We're on our march to episode 2000 and the 10th anniversary of this show. I've got something good planned for you. Today's show is an interview I recorded probably about five, six years ago. With a former contract recruiter, corporate recruiter. He's listened to hiring managers reject people for years, and he gives you some honest feedback on the feedback that you get and why you're rejected. Hope you find this helpful. Hope you give it a great review wherever you listen to the show, and we'll be back in just one moment after a word from our sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: This is a time where I like to interview someone who I consider an expert on some element of job hunting. Because to me, job search doesn't have to be hard, difficult, painful, or take so long. It's just the skills needed to find a job are very different than the skills needed to do a job. So I like to bring people in and talk with them about some element of job search so I can make this less complicated for you. And my guest on on today's show is Jeff Brockman. Jeff is a senior recruiting consultant and career coach with more than 17 years of experience. Seven have been on the agency side, 10 in corporate recruiting. And he's worked with firms of many sizes, shapes, and industries. Jeff, welcome to Job Search Radio. Great to have you on.
2: Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you having me on.
1: You're welcome. You know, 17 years in the search business, I'm sure you've reviewed and interviewed tens of thousands of people and looked at even more resumes than that and been a part of pre-interview briefings and post-interview debriefs and been on the front lines and all elements of hiring, you know, I'm both on the agency side and on the corporate side. I think the best place for me to start off with is how do people screw up uh, in this process? Where do they go wrong that causes them to get rejected?
2: Well, how long of a show is this? Um, so, you know, that's a great question, Jeff. And there's some some key areas where that comes into play. I would say just to point out kind of the top ones: it's, it's lack of preparation, um, lack of enthusiasm, uh, not not the appropriate amount of relevance uh, for the specific role they're interviewing for, and then lack of follow up. So. I would say one of the, if I'm going to pinpoint one of the most important things that I that I hear, I, to your, to your point, I I do sit on a number of debrief calls. In fact, any interview that takes place, I sit on the debrief call with the interview team. And one of the things that always is a kiss of death, as it relates to someone being uh, taken out of the process, is when they ask you, know, what's the, how much do you know about us? How much do you know about our company, our organization, what we do? And there's not a clear, concise answer to that. If you can't express the, the that you've taken time to do the research and, and get to know the company you're interviewing with, it really, it really can get you kicked out of the process pretty quickly.
1: So when you're talking about lack of preparation, you're talking about uh, what they know about the firm. Now I. I for my audience, I just want to start by saying we're conceding that if you don't do a good job in de- demonstrating your experience and you're, if you're in certain fields with p- specific technical skills or professional skills, if you, demonst- you don't demonstrate competence, obviously you're going to be rejected. But we're dealing with all the secondary stuff beyond simply, you know, you were incompetent on the interview, <laughs> okay? So when you speak of lack of preparation, is that – uh, purely about um, Understanding what the firm does or are there other parts it's, of it's
2: that? Absolutely, it's a, a great question. It's, it's really about what the firm does. It's about what the opportunity is about and And how your experience is relevant for that specific role um, You know you're, from, from the time a, a candidate steps into the door to be interviewed. They're being evaluated and whether consciously or subconsciously if you do it in such a way where it's not overly effective or it appears that you haven't done your research or you know, really haven't prepared in the right way, it's reflective um from the interviewer's perspective that hey, listen, this person really doesn't have good attention to detail. They're they're evaluating you as an individual, uh, as well as you as a candidate the entire time. And is this the person that we want to work with? And we're we're in a job market like we are right now Where companies are extremely mindful that headcount is very precious and that they want to ensure they're not building in attrition by a bad hire, it's very important that the candidates who come in and, and interview are doing it in such a way that this is their shot and they really have to make sure that the impression that they're making is going to be a valuable one.
1: You betcha. I know that impression also starts in places where many job applicants uh, don't think of it. Uh, So, for example, I have a client that flies people in for interviews, and one of the things that they do is they ask the driver who takes them from the airport about the person and their manners and how they conducted themselves. When candidates have been rude to a receptionist, at you know at the front end of the interview before they have met anyone on the hiring team I've known job applicants who've been rejected for such rudeness so I just want to remind everyone you know an interview you may think it starts when you meet the hiring manager but it really does begin at the very very beginning before you even see the hiring manager and on on phone calls um, you know what sort of things? Because remember, there's phone interviews and in-person interviews. I'm sure you're getting debrief information um, from from hiring managers and hiring teams after phone interviews. Does, it, does there tend to be any sort of difference between how you know the feedback that you get? Is it pretty consistent on uh, in, in terms of the complaints or criticisms?
2: Well, you know, when you're taking phone interviews into consideration, you know, independent of um you know the, the the ability again to interview effectively you do have technical issues that can come into play so you know obviously you want to ensure that you're you're ideally doing a phone interview from a landline and not your cell phone in a place where you could be potentially easily disconnected by interference um you know you want to be mindful of the the voicemail message that you have on your phone as an example uh and the reason is you could have i I can't tell you the number of candidates that I've called and uh it's a it's a 10 minute uh rap song prior to you know them going to voicemail or going to the phone going to voicemail um you know the other thing that i that i always recommend is when you put a phone number on your resume you should put your cell phone number on and not your home phone number and the reason being you can control your cell phone you can't control who's going to pick up that phone at your house and how they're going to answer that phone and again keeping in mind you're always being evaluated you know, whether it's something that's in your control or not.
1: I wonder how many of these uh, voicemail messages you've heard. Ready? Hi, (laughs) this is Michael. Hi, this is Sally. Hi, this is Mo. And we're the family. I I, I can't tell you how many of those I've heard. Absolutely. (laughs) And it happens all the time. And I'm surprised you admit to not liking rap music. Come on, get (laughs) with it.
2: No, so, no problem with wrap it off. No problem. With
1: wrap at all. <laughs> so we've been talking about lack of preparation before I got us off on this detour. Uh, so it's not knowing enough about the firm is one aspect of lack of preparation. Uh, are there other factors that come into play uh, with lack of preparation?
2: Um, yeah, you know there. You know, obviously things as it relates to the job, again, being prepared for the specific position itself. Um, Lack of preparation with who you're interviewing with. Again, you want to ensure that if you're interviewing with an HR person, those questions that you have lined up are going to be geared more for an HR perspective, benefits, compensation, those kinds of things. If it's with the hiring team, you want to focus things that are more related to the position. Um, as opposed to again benefits and comp and things along those lines.
1: Should should a person ask on a first interview about benefits with HR, or is that something that should be deferred until later on?
2: You know what? That's a good question, and I think there's I, I think there's um, different schools of thought. Uh, I think one of the schools of thought is that. None of that really matters until you're being considered a viable candidate, but, you know, everything is being taken in, into consideration from a candidate perspective, and, you know, because they're evaluating the company just like the company is evaluating them, and you want to ensure that if you're looking at an opportunity, you know, as a candidate, that it's a you understand it is a two-way street, and if, if those things are important to you, uh, it's absolutely okay, in my opinion, to get an understanding of what those uh, components look like Uh, I would keep it again with those questions with the HR person and not have those conversations with the hiring
1: team. Definitely. Um, You know, I keep thinking in terms of uh, waiting on benefits until the very end. Um, So the offer is about to be extended uh, and then covering benefits with HR. you know, I was trained back in the stone ages where you try to keep the interview and in every step along the way on demonstrating that all you want to do is learn, work hard, and get ahead and demonstrate excellence to your future employer. And the benefits, you know, take the attention away from doing that. So that's my opinion, folks. You can do either of these two, whatever you're more comfortable with, which, whichever you prefer. And, and you also spoke about uh enthusiasm um as being a factor. Certainly you don't expect someone, you know, to to act like um they're on a YouTube video.
2: How how yeah, should you them... know yeah <laughs> Yeah. Temporary that a little bit. No absolutely. You know, what what I do from a on the career consulting side when I'm doing preparation with, with my my clients is I want them to exercise that enthusiasm muscle uh for purposes of positions that they're excited about and ones that they are lukewarm about because what it does it gets you in the habit of obviously being excited about an opportunity and that carries a lot of weight when you're in an interview again if i go back to thinking about you know the interview debrief as an example you know when you have one candidate who's a little bit lukewarm right in terms of personality and then you have someone who's extremely enthusiastic about the role equally uh, qualified candidates for the most part they're going to go with a person who seems more excited about the company the opportunity they're grateful for being there you know that had that, they have that energy level of enthusiasm and I, i'm a big proponent of going after every interview every job like it's the greatest thing in the world um, i happen
1: to, to agree with enthusiasm. you and i know one of the factors there is you know hiring managers hate to have their offers turned down because they feel like they have to justify what happened to, to their bosses. So if you have a choice between the person who's neutral and the one who's passionate about you know how they present themselves and their interest in the role, it's a no brainer of them. You know, why risk a turn down and having to start from square one or risk losing your number two candidate if it you know you have someone who seems excited about the job.
2: Right, right. And and as an example, I've had situations where I've had clients and i've I've seen candidates who have gone in to an interview with expectations of you know i'll go in and just see how it goes i'm not not overly excited about the opportunity and they they kind of half-heartedly interview the initial part of the the interview and then as they continue to go on they get more excited about it but by then it's a little bit too late and typically the feedback is they just didn't show enough enthusiasm where they showed it too late
1: I agree with you we're going to talk more about that in a moment but first we're going to do our job search insider tip for this show which is going to be brought by by LinkedIn whisperer Ron Nash my job search insider tip is going to be presented to you by Ron Nash the LinkedIn whisperer Ron what's your advice for my listeners for this show
3: my advice today is based on a story and it's a real-life story that I've lived And I call it the bike ride that will save your life.
1: Ooh, I like this title.
3: (laughs) You know, so it's based on something that goes on every day with us. First of all, I have a very active life. While I'm not in job search mode, I'm constantly in biz dev mode, meetings, etc. So uh, there are a lot of moving parts in my world, and my brain goes into fight or flight. Now, what happened with me one morning specifically is I woke up had a very busy day ahead of some very important, wonderful meetings, but for some strange reason, my anxiety was off the charts. Jeff, I got to tell you, I'm not sure what happened, and uh, I'm a firm believer in that energy and anxiety is really undirected uh, energy. So, so basically, stress and anxiety is really undirected, and I f- had to figure out a way to direct it. This particular and this day, never
1: happens to job hunters at all. Job hunters never get anxious about anything, do they?
3: You know what and that's a very good point, because pending where we are in the process, oftentimes fight or flight is triggered by stress or anxiety fairly easily, and the brain doesn't know whether a tiger's chasing us or what's going on. I mean it literally believes that so in this case, being from the background that I have, what I realize is that our physiology, how we move, how we act, either enforces the stress or it can help change i 'm a firm believer in changing and so First thing I did was I measured how I was feeling, and then I said, okay, I'm going to try a few exercises. When that was not working out, I had to resort to drastic measures. I jumped on my bicycle, and I took a ride up a local mountain in our neighborhood. Now, don't get me wrong. I had about eh, an hour to burn because I was in preparation mode for my day so I got on my bike and I started riding ferociously and I literally made it to the top of the hill which was an amazing goal but what I noticed in the process of that is that my brain started coming into focus especially on the way up the hill when I felt like giving up it's like oh my god this is hard and when I looked at the little small things like when I looked at the top of the hill and saw how big it was I wanted to stop riding but when I looked down at my tire at the ground I never got distracted from what my outcome was.
1: And thus you were able to pull yourself back into balance, get your focus, keep your focus for for the meeting that you had and perform at one hundred percent rather than being out of control. Do I have that right?
3: You I was able to create remember that song Eye of the Tiger from the Rocky movie?
1: don't get me started I'm well, sorry folks I'll get motivated to sing and we don't want that to happen
3: I was able to redirect the undirected energy and once again stress and anxiety is undirected energy I was able to pull that energy into focus and I learned a couple of simple tips number one don't focus on the size of the problem that can actually feel your stress it looks too big number two Don't look too far ahead of the moment. If you get too far ahead of where you are, you'll lose sight of the moment. And finally, be present. Focus on your immediate situation. You'll have the best success and the best ability to change what's going on in the moment.
1: I love the fact that you have given people a way to learn how to be present. Because a lot of people tell you to be present, but they don't tell you how. And what this will do is get your adrenaline back into balance uh, so that uh, you're no longer feeling out of control. Or even if you're not feeling out of control, it will get you even into tighter control so that you can f- perform at your interviews or meetings. Very nice tip, Ron. Thank you. How can people reach you?
3: Very simply, my website, www.theinacademy.com. That's T-H-E-I-N-academy.com. Or on LinkedIn, you can find me as The In Academy.
1: Ron, thank you. Great tip. My pleasure, sir. So let's come back to Jeff and continue our conversation. And that lack of enthusiasm, uh, you know, I know people hold back at times in interviews, uh, particularly at the beginning while they feel out the other person and figure out whether or not they should, you know, get attached to the job. And suddenly, like you said, it becomes too late to do anything because they've already lost the interview through their lack of enthusiasm. So that kind of stuff comes in in the way of enthusiasm, lack of preparation comes in as a reason for rejection obviously lack of skills competence comes in as a reason for rejection are there other things that come into play in your mind from the stories that you've heard from hiring managers for why they turn people down
2: absolutely yeah uh, you know, if we, if we talk about I think a key component is follow-up um, you know and, and again that, that you could you could play that in with the enthusiasm piece of it but it's so important that when you interview especially if you're interviewing with uh, quite a few people you want to get business cards from every single person that you meet with and, and for purposes of follow up. Uh, so, you know, that not getting, not, uh, uh, again, sitting on debriefs and, and hearing, you know, I, I really seem like a good guy, but, you know, I didn't even get a thank you email. It really is something that resonates with interviewers and, and hiring managers when someone doesn't follow up. Um, especially if they're in a role where they really are client facing or or if they're in a sales role or something where they are face-to-face with someone uh, as as part of their daily role. Because, again, how you interview is kind of how they're going to perceive you're going to be with their clients and with customers or whoever you might.
1: Exactly right. So what should a typical thank you note read like? What should someone say in the thank you note? That uh, will resonate with um, a hiring manager.
2: Well, I've always found that the, the best way, especially if you've, you've established a good relationship with that person, good rapport, and everything else, it, it's I find it beneficial to say, you know, hi, Jeff, you know, as opposed to you know, dear Mister So and So, for and and for no other reason. You've gone beyond formalities at that point in time. You spent you know an hour or so together, you know, maybe have had you know, good conversations and everything else. So I think, you know, a brief note, hey, Jeff, it was great meeting you today, Uh, you know, based on our conversation, extremely excited about the opportunity, even more so now, and really excited about next steps. So just you don't have to to have a big, long paragraph. It should really just be a quick note at the end of the day, just expressing your interest uh, in, in moving on to the next step of the process.
1: So you don't believe that someone should use this as one more sales opportunity to reinforce some of the stuff that um, they may have mentioned in the interview. So, so for example, um, you know, I just want to, you know, state unequivocally that um, you know I think my background with, and they might list two or three different items there, um, might be very beneficial to you on, on in this particular role or might help me hit the ground running in this role that's unnecessary they can just keep it as as simple and as casual as as what you just said
2: yeah you know i would I would say it, it depends right it depends on on how the interview went you're gonna have to you can feel that out if you feel potentially because it does give you a second opportunity if you feel that maybe your point wasn't hadn't gotten across as it relates to that those specific bullet points during the interview and was accepted, then, yeah, then absolutely, it's a, it's a terrific time to reiterate that.
1: So, for example, um, someone who may, may not think that they've delivered the message quite clearly enough or effectively enough about their capability to do this role or some aspect of the job might step in and, you know, maybe just say something along the lines of, um, in our conversation, I don't think I, I necessarily communicated or got across my experience in this area. And then we'll list a, a paragraph or two that might be relevant to what they've done related to the job. Could that work? Great. Great. Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, no, nothing, it, it, it is not going to hurt you. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it, it, it can only do good.
1: You know, and folks, uh, we in the recruiting business say time and time again, everything works. Every idea that you hear on my shows works. It never works often enough, but they all work and sometimes don't work with this particular hiring manager. So when when you're trying these ideas, number one, thank you letters you've heard loud and clear. Uh, the lack of sending one is a reason why hiring managers turn people down. So get back into the habit of sending thank you emails um, Can be as brief as what Jeff has suggested, or if you want another selling opportunity, you can go into more depth uh, as I outlined earlier, but thank you letters are a big part of the process. How else do people get turned out? Are there other things that they just mess up on that cause them to get rejected?
2: well I, you know I, I can give you a fine example of, of uh an interview debrief call i was on today um where the candidate got overly comfortable during the interview and you know and, and i would think this jeff would go without saying but profanity obviously is something you want to stay away from <laughs> during an interview um you know or any time in the workplace but uh you know that that was reason enough um for For the interview team to cringe a little bit about you know this individual as a candidate
1: i I had an incident with someone he was on the fourth interview he's talking to the overall uh, executive vice president for the function of this firm the next step after this call is going to be a fly out to meet everyone in california Um, he's based in canada and Everyone has liked him. He has an unusual skill set that he's the only one that they had found in four months of job hunting who had this skill, in uh, four months of, of searching had this skill. So he's on with the executive vice president. They're having a great time, and then the profanity comes out. And then she, she asks a question, uh, and he says something to the effect of, and I'll show you that at the, on the whiteboard when we meet in, uh, in two weeks. And there was never an opportunity to present at the whiteboard. He'd gotten so comfortable in speaking with her. He'd lost the point of he's always selling. She's not his friend. She's someone there to evaluate and assess who will reflect upon her. And he never got that chance to interview. So folks, be careful. As comfortable as you may get and as friendly as the conversation may be, and as good a time as everyone's happening, having with one another, don't cross the line. So, what else can people avoid doing? What sort of stories have you heard um, with mistakes job hunters make that causes them to get turned down?
2: Um, well, you know I guess you know as, as i as I kind of think about, I mean, there there are one-off stories of everything that I've heard. I mean, obviously, kind of the, 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 the key components that you want to focus on really are the small things, right? So you're better off being there 15 minutes early than one minute late, obviously. Um, again, and, and keeping in mind everything is perception. Now, will, will any of this get you eliminated from the process? Not necessarily, but these are just little things that probably can help out as you continue. So, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of people that I've interviewed who uh, have coffee all over them because they they wiped out on the way into the parking lot getting there so quickly. Um, You know, if you're going on an interview and it's in the city, make sure you have change in your car for a meter if you need it. Um, So, Jeff, these are more things that not necessarily get you kicked out of the process, but but small things that can help, um, you know, when you are interviewing.
1: And not only that. Using the example of the meter and the coffee, you know, these are things that you do to yourself that cause you to be to feel more pressure than is necessary. And when people feel too much pressure, and particularly the wrong kind of pressure, they don't perform as well. Um, so, it, it's not necessarily that you didn't have money for the meter that's causing you to be re- uh, rejected, but the fact that you got anxious that you might be two minutes late for the interview because you didn't have money for the meter is how that gets played out. And I had this quirky idea, Jeff, and, and let's see if you can play along with me. If you were to pretend you were briefing me for an interview, Um, And and want to walk me through a couple of pointers. How would you brief me for my next interview?
2: Well again, I would I would go back to you know the preparation piece of it and the relevance piece So you know the first thing I do on the career consulting side of my clients is we vet them out um, Their experience based on the requirements of the position so but Jeff as you know um, you know companies do have to evaluate you on what they deem as being the required skills the minimum required skills so so we want to make sure that they are comfortable that they are in alignment with those required skills so you know as an example you want to have you know direct skills or maybe even just some transferable skills as it relates to those. so so i think part of the anxiety that people have when they go in for an interview is they're not sure what questions are going to be asked and there's not they're not sure you know, what's going to happen, and really, you know, everything you need to know by reviewing that job description in complete detail and really ensuring that you're in alignment with that. That takes so much pressure off because that's what you're going in for. You're being interviewed for that specific role. So if you're comfortable with, you know, you're hitting all the bullet points on each one of those, that should take some stress off right there. Um You know, obviously, again, I'll go back to doing the research and, and not only about the company, but also the culture. I found that, you know, a lot of companies now hire to the culture as opposed to, or, or in addition to, I should say, the position itself. So they want to make sure that they're hiring people that they feel are going to fit in, right, with, with what the corporation, their values, their goals, their objectives. So I found that a a good way to do that, especially with a lot of the larger companies, is a lot of large companies have, uh, have a YouTube channel, and on those, on the YouTube channel, you'll actually have employees that kind of talk about their experience with the company, so it gives you an opportunity to kind of get an insider's perspective um, that, you know, you typically wouldn't get from an interviewer, so it's, again, it's just really that, I'll go back to preparation, right, I mean, it kind of falls back into that space.
1: That's a nice tip about the YouTube channel, Uh, watching that, going to the Facebook pages as well, the professional pages on LinkedIn, of course, and, of course, on the corporate website. All these are going to give you different dimensions of the firm, but prep me for an interview. Come on. Do a formal prep. (laughs)
2: A lot of pressure here. Let me tell you. Um, you know, again, I, I you know, again, what we would do when, it, when, I'm, when I'm prepping someone, it really is I'm actually interviewing them based on the requirements of the position. So I'm looking at the job description, and to the best of my ability um, and my domain expertise as it relates to what they're interviewing for, we'll kind of ask them questions and kind of get their answers. Um, you know, and the other thing, you know, a lot of places obviously utilize behavioral interviewing now, as opposed to just you know standard old-fashioned interviewing so if you can understand or find out whether a company falls into that category um, you can you can flush out that behavioral interviewing piece of it which you know which basically is uh, you know what past behavior will dictate future results and so it, it's really you know making sure that you're comfortable with every part of your background as well to be able to kind of answer to anything that you think might come up so I Actually, one of the things that I do with with clients in terms of preparation, I ask them what they're concerned about. You know, what are you uncomfortable or concerned about? And we tackle those issues because those issues are something that's always going to be in the back of your mind during the interview. And if you can address it before going in, it's something that's off your plate. And, again, you know, like you said, it, 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 it diminishes some undue stress that you really don't need to worry about.
1: And it's interesting. I want to backtrack to one thing, behavioral interviews. And and just in case my audience doesn't um, understand the difference between the old-style interview and the behavioral one, I tend to think of behavioral interview questions as being, tell me about a time when you, as being the lead into that. Does that fit with how you think of it?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and listen, in some cases there could be more than one answer with some of the questions that are asked. Um, and depends on the behavioral style of interviewing questions that they ask, but it really is a lot of situational, um, you know, uh, uh, opportunities or situational scenarios, um, that, that you really have to kind of, in some cases, be prepared for and think about. And, and again, that's part of the, part of the, you know, newer way of interviewing is really being prepared for those types of questions.
1: And folks, In point of fact, a lot of these questions are very easy because they allow you an opportunity to tell a story. Now, when you story tell, try to keep your story, make your story as brief as possible. I don't mean 15 seconds in case you were wondering. But minute, minute and a half tops where you can, where you follow a a format where you talk about the situation that you walked into, the task at hand, what you accomplished, and what the result was. So that this way, you know, you can kind of format uh, how you tell the story to be engaging to people and keeps them interested. If you go on too long, they start to mentally channel surf. If you take, I'll use the exaggerated example, 15 seconds, what happens is they keep going, there's more, right? (laughs) You gotta tell me more. So, and,
2: and, Jeff, if I could piggyback on that for one second, one of the other things that, that I even do, any interview I go on, and, and, again, this is something that I that I prep clients on, is when an interviewer asks you a question, just quickly jot down the question or something that's going to remind you what that question was. Because, to your point, it's easy to get lost, right? And and you go ten times around the block and, you know, another ten times trying to figure out what the question was without directly answering asking the interviewer what that question was. So by jotting it down, it gives you a point of reference to flush back to and say, okay, now you can kind of tie your story back to what they're looking for in terms of an answer.
1: On phone interviews in particular, there's no reason why someone doesn't write down the question in front of them. I can't tell you the number of times I've been on interviews with people, and I've asked a very simple question, and at the two-minute mark, I'm looking at my watch, and they're off way in another direction. And I'll listen for another few seconds, and I'll I'll ask, do you remember what my original question was? And they'll pause and go, no. (laughs) No. And folks you know we can laugh about it but what you've done is shoot yourself in the foot and it's very hard to recover from that because you feel embarrassed uh, and understandably because you made a mistake and we all know it and number two is how quickly you can come back from that most people have trouble doing it so the interviews are often lost at that point unless you have a gracious uh, interviewer at hand so uh, we don't have much time with one another here, Jeff. Is, is there one big tip that you want to share with people today uh, that you think would close things out well for them?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I would say that if, if you focus your your uh, you know career practice as you kind of look for opportunities, ensuring that your resume is relevant for whatever specific position you're applying for. So clearly, that means. That you do have to modify it or modify the cover letter based on the requirements. So relevant resume and then getting it in the hands of a decision maker. And that's not by applying online. It's really leveraging LinkedIn and utilizing contacts throughout your warm market and even making your own warm market on LinkedIn by reaching out to recruiters and, and people who have influence to get your hand, get that resume in the hands of a decision maker. If you have a relevant resume that shows you're a perfect fit for a position and you get it in the hands of the right person, there's no reason why you shouldn't continue far through the
1: process. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I think that's a perfect way to to wrap up for today. How can folks reach you, Jeff, uh, if they're interested in you doing career coaching with them or contract recruiting for their firm?
2: Uh, The best way to reach me is uh, is via email at Jeff at CareerTrink, that's C-A-R-E-E-R T-R-I-N-C, Uh, or you can, uh, always call me, uh, toll free 888-430. Nine, six, seven, one. So
0: that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few ways to optimize your job search and get better results. First of all, visit my website, TheBigGameHunter.us. Go to the blog and go exploring. There's just a lot there to help you in the blog. And if you want to take my class on interviewing, it's called The Ultimate Job Interview Framework. It's available on Udemy. Uh, it's U-D-E-M-Y. Or you can just use this link, TheBigGameHunter.us forward slash interviews and order my class there it's very inexpensive like 12 bucks if you're a new Udemy user $19.99 if you're an existing one in addition it's now available as a Kindle book or as a paperback on Amazon you can order the book there if you prefer a different format and as a paperback I think it's $6.99 as a Kindle book it's $2.99 so again very inexpensive obviously I'd love to help you with coaching. At my website, you can schedule time for coaching with me or schedule a free discovery call. And if you just have a couple of questions for me, go to thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live and you can schedule 15 minutes with me or thebiggamehunter.us forward slash interviews. And what you're able to do is um, ask a question and get a response back with a three to five minute video. I'll be back soon with more. And in the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be great!